Hello, everyone. This is Unlocking Greatness Podcast with Zenja Glass. Feel free to call me Z. I was not planning on doing any recording um, for a while uh, until I'm finished uh, with some writings that I'm working on. But I've really been studying out um, what does it mean to be kings and priests? Like, What does that actually mean for us to be considered as an heir uh, of God and a co-heir with Christ? And what does that really mean to be kings and priests? You know, I I think I had a good general understanding of it just in general, but I've been diving in a lot lately, um, studying this out. And I just want to propose some questions to you all that I want you to study out for yourselves. Uh, uh, The reason why it's important, um, at least I feel that it's very important to know, what does it mean to walk uh, um, as an heir of God? What does it mean to be considered um, um, as a kingdom and priest? Because it changes everything in terms of who we're about and what we do. It changes, at least for me, it it changes my prayer life. It changes my expectations. It changes the way that I rebuke the devil. It changes the way that um, um, I worship and praise God. It changes everything about me. And God is still transforming me and changing me and, 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 and really helping me to understand what this is more about. But I felt the need this morning when I was praying, I actually got up very early this morning and God just put in my heart, you need to talk about this some more. So I just want to dive a little bit into some scriptures. I'm going to give you all the scriptures to look up for yourselves, but we don't have to choose between um, being uh, king and priest. And what I mean by that is we don't have to choose. When I speak of king, I I speak of like being leaders, just so you're aware. And when I speak of priests, um, I speak of um, helping people come to know God. You know, the, the priests, uh, at least all throughout the Bible, their main role was overseeing, of course, the, the tabernacle and the worship and all of that. But bottom line, leading people to Christ. Am I right? And then when you speak of, of kings, you think of people in leadership, people in authoritative positions, people who are ruling over, people who are reigning. Right. I always thought that there had to sort of be a choice when I related to my everyday life. I thought that there had to be a choice of being, you know, some sort of a business person or uh, or leader in the community or just a leader in general or or you have to be like a minister or an evangelist or bishop or apostle, prophetess, whatever. You know, I put all that in the same category. I always thought that there had to be a choice between the two. And if you remember when I first started this podcast, I talked about that in the beginning, that I just didn't understand what God was doing, because on one end, you know, um, um, God has blessed me to be in leadership roles. And on another end, he's, he's just calling me so much deeper to help people draw near to him. And I thought it had to be a choice. I think that God is finally revealing more and more in my spirit, the mystery of all of this, that we're called into being kings and priests. So I want to go into some passages and I want you guys to read and study this yourselves. <clears throat> So that we can all have a good, clear understanding of how we need to move forth in life. I want to start with, and I wrote down a few passages in Exodus 19, verse 6. This is what got me caught up a little bit. In Exodus 19, verse 6, this was, um, you know, only about a few months after the Israelites had left out of Egypt. And uh, God had said to uh, Moses um, in verse 5, he says, Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So when I read that before, I thought, oh, okay, he's he's really referring to the Levites, you know. Um, and for those of you who are ministers and evangelists, you know exactly what I'm talking about. From the um, uh, Jacob had twelve sons, right? 
let me get this right. Jacob had 12 sons. One of the sons is Levi. So from Levi, um, the, the tribe of the Levites, you know, the, that's where the priest, the priesthood, at least in the Bible, came from, from the Levites, if that makes any sense, from um, uh, one of Jacob's 12 sons called Levi. So whenever I see the word priesthood, I always think, oh, okay, that doesn't relate to me in any way. In any way, you know, when I think of priest, I think of the Levites or I think of, I don't know, nowadays, the priests that go around with these, I don't know, long poles and wear these strange hats and what have you. And I don't know, people that may have some special connection to God that I don't know nothing about. That used to be my general understanding of it. So follow me on this. So we already just looked at Exodus 19 uh, when he talks about um, although the whole um, earth is mine uh, you will be for me a kingdom, a priest and a holy nation. I thought, OK, I get that. I guess that's not relating anything to me. But then you turn over and let's go deeper into this. Let's look in Ephesians. There was a passage or two I'd actually never read in the Bible. And um, it just stood out to me because I've been studying out kings and priests and what that means for a while. So in Ephesians and I wrote this one down and normally I don't even write down the passages, but I wrote this one down. In Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 11 through 13, this gets good to me, and I'm not going to rush this. In Ephesians 2, in 11 through 13, okay, this is the Apostle Paul talking, and he's talking to um, um, uh, the Ephesians. And, and, and just so you know, the church in Ephesus, they were known, at least at that time, a lot of pagan people did a lot of wrong. I'll leave it at that. And they were coming to repentance and giving their life over um, to Christ. So I'll just leave it at that. So he reminds them in verse 11 through 13. Uh, I won't read it all through, but he basically reminds them in verse 12. He says, remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now I'm in verse 13. In Christ Jesus, you were once far away. You who were once far away have been bought near through the blood of Christ. Okay, well, what does that mean? So then jump to verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Okay, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Okay, so I'm beginning to get it a little bit. Um, he's welcoming them in. If you go to verse 11, which I probably should have read, it says, therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves to circumcision. So just to clarify this, just just my 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 the, the biblical knowledge I have, you have the Jews and you have the Gentiles back in the day, there was no mixing. And of course, you know, comes along Jesus and he's preaching to the Jews and the Gentiles. So they're, they're saying, in essence, you're grafted in. You, you now are no longer foreigners. You're, you're, you're considered a part of this promise as well. So let's keep going just a little bit further. Ephesians chapter 3. This is something I hadn't read in a long time, um, and I forgot that, that, that it was even in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 6 talks about this mystery. It says, this mystery that is through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Members together of one body and shares together the promise in Christ Jesus. Now, that's interesting. The mystery that is through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. So this whole sacred covenant that's just, you know, with the Jews, it, it, the, the Gentiles are now grafted into this. 
And he's talking about, you know, the foreigners in general, people from different lands, like the Gentiles are grafted in. So you're now considered heirs. So let's take it a little further with this. In First Peter, I think I wrote this down, chapter 2, verse 5. So I want to dig into this. When I profess to say something or know something or I'm praying about something and I'm trying to stand in authority and I'm trying to deal with the vicissitudes of life, as one minister would always say, I got to have something solid to know what I'm standing on. I don't know about you guys, but I have to have something solid to stand on to back it up. So now I'm trying to find First Peter. I think I'm just going a little bit too fast. First Peter 2, 5. Let's dive into this one. First Peter 2, 5 um, says, now this was a time when the Christians had been tortured quite a bit. Someone named Nero or someone was torturing the, the Christians quite a bit at this time and uh, blaming them for the city of Rome, you know, when it had burned for like nine days or whatever. And this letter really is to, 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 to encourage the Christians and to help them when they were dealing through some very, very bad stages at this point in history. But anyway, in 1 Peter 2, uh, I wrote down here, and let me see, verse 5. This is another one that I had paid attention to. It says, um, I'll start in verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. Verse 5. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Well, what does that mean? You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood? Hmm. I thought that was just a select group of people back in the day. Then I back up and I look, okay, well, who was Peter talking to? Because when you read your scriptures, it's important to just not take a scripture out of context. You want to know the, you know, who, who was he even talking to at that time? You know, so if you go to just the very first chapter, first Peter, verse one, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Look who he's talking to, to God's elect strangers in the world scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, some places I can't even pronounce Bithynia, who have been chosen according to um, the foreknowledge of God. So that's interesting. So. We're talking to pretty much everybody that's come to accept Christ. We're talking about the redeemed. Let that soak in just a second. You're being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Okay, so if that's not convincing enough, let's keep going. Let's look in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He keeps going with this. But you are a chosen people. Huh. A royal priesthood. Well, wait a minute. I thought that was just the Levitical priest back in the Old Testament only. This is a different type of priesthood we're talking now. A holy nation. Interesting. A people belonging to God. That you may declare the praises who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Then he goes on to, you know, to tell them to abstain from sinful desires and things that war against their soul. So this is very interesting. You are a chosen people or royal priesthood, a holy nation. Interesting. Interesting, interesting, interesting. So let's look deeper into who he's talking to. Let's look in Galatians 
Galatians chapter 3, verse 29. And Galatians 3, 29. And you always got to look at who they're talking to. So go to the first chapter of Galatians. This says, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, um, nor by men, but led by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me to the churches in Galatia. Okay, so he's talking to um, some, some churches in another area. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 29. Talks about sons of God. Now, this is interesting. I'm going to actually back up in verse 26 um, so you can read the, so we can look at the whole passage. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Okay. All of us. Okay. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Now listen to this. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. What in the world? If we belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seeds. You all know who Abraham is. We've talked about him quite a bit. Pillar, a pillar in the Bible. And heirs according to the promise. So what is this, this heir, this kingship, this priesthood? And do we really understand and walk around with that kind of knowledge and knowing that we are heirs? When I do my prayers, I literally not only do I pray, uh, you know, that God, thank you for making me an heir of God, a co-heir with Christ, which I'll go over that scripture in a minute. But thank you that because I am with Christ, I am now an heir to the promised seed of Abraham. And what does that mean to walk in that kind of authority and power? Now I'm beginning to see more why Jesus says that you'll do even greater things to me. Why he says, if you say to this mountain, move in, it'll move. If we know who we are and we know who we are before Christ, before God, and we know the heir, the, the, the kingdomship, the priesthood. Can you imagine if we walked around and we really believed this? Galatians. What was I just at? Chapter three, verse 29. If you belong to Christ and you are Abraham's seeds and heirs according to the promise. I don't know how it is that not only did I forget this many years ago, but that it's barely being said. Let's go to Romans eight seventeen. I'm giving you these scriptures for you to study it out on your own. Um. I believe in being a Berean. The Bible says the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians because they examined the scriptures daily to see if what the Apostle Paul said was true. So that's in the Bible. You can look it up. So God wants us to study and research stuff. So anyway, let's go to Romans 8, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Let me go to Romans. Not trying to rush this. I'm not even trying to preach to anybody. I'm just trying to teach my convictions and why I pray the way I pray, make the decisions I do, why I think through, uh, why I do things that would seem impossible to most people, and why even when I'm going through a tough time, how I go about in my prayer life because I have to know who I am before God. This is why I go to those secret places. This is why we have to do that. We have to be hidden and understand the mystery. It's a mystery. Romans eight seventeen. 
first of all, read all of Romans 8 because it's, it's beyond powerful. And I wish I can just sit on it for a while. It, let's start in verse 11. And, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So the spirit of Jesus Christ lives inside of me. That's interesting. Okay. Verse 14. But those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. How am I a son? But those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. Verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. What is this sonship? And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now check this out in verse 17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. What in the world? If we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. How is it that I'm a co-heir with Christ? How is it that you are a co-heir with Christ? Can you imagine a king being here right now and a king um, nominating you or telling you that you're now co-heir? How would that make you feel? So think about that in the spirit for just a moment. How is it that we are an heir of God, a son of God, and a co-heir with Christ? You know, when I pray to God, I say, I, I, and I know a lot of times we say, I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God. Now in my prayer, a lot of times I say, I'm a son of God. Because when I say son, I don't think male, female, as, as, we, as we do. I, I'm, I'm praying and I'm thinking in a spiritual realm as a son of God, as an heir. Thank you for making me a son of God. I, every day, every day I recite this passage. I am an heir of God. I am a co-heir with Christ. And because I am a co-heir with Christ, I, I get the promise to the seed of Abraham. Does that make sense? An heir of God. Verse 17, I'm going to read it again. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we also may share in his glory. I want to challenge you all to study out what does it mean to be an heir of God? Did I go through? Let me see here. I wrote down a few passages here. I, uh, Romans, uh, Revelations 5.10. I got up early this morning and read through Revelations 5 all over again because I really wanted to understand the context. I don't think it's wise to always just quote a, quote a passage and not really give the context. Revelations 5, you should just read it all because this is the vision um, that was seen that is to come. But in Revelations 5, uh, uh, in verse 10, it says, you have, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. They will reign on the earth. Now, this is the vision that was given. And this vision had the 24 elders. Um, I think it was like four or so living creatures. Um, and then it talked about, obviously, Jesus um, being the one that was uh, take, took the scroll. Um, uh, let me just read this through because I hate to paraphrase. All of this is a vision. And when you read Revelation 5.10, you're actually reading a song. That's a song that the elders and the living creatures all bowed down to, uh, not bowed down to, um, all of the elders and all of the living creatures. When Jesus took the, the lamb, took the scroll um, out, of, out of the hand, they all sung this song. So let me just read it so that um, it don't sound like I'm paraphrasing too much. I, I wasn't planning on reading this through, but I hate to just quote a little piece of it. 
So part of this vision, uh, I'm just going to start in verse four. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and his seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne. Now, keep in mind, you're reading you're, you're reading the vision that that was seen, you know, because, you know, Revelations talks about the end of the earth and what's to come. So this is this is the vision. So uh, let me back up a little bit. See the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne. Encircled by the four living creatures and the elders, he had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Listen to this song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the scroll because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchase men for God. Listen to this from every tribe and language and people and nation. This is still a song you're listening to. You have made them, them, let me back up again because I want you to listen to this song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open his seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchase men for God. Listen to this for those who get caught up in thinking this is only exclusive to a small group of people. And with your blood, you purchase men for God from every tribe. In language, in people, in nation, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And hold on, it's not done. And they will reign on the earth. Now, if that is not talking about God's people, the redeemed, those who have accepted Christ, then I don't know who it is. I, 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 we just went through a, a number of passages where they were talking to people from every nation. The Gentiles are grafted in. So whether you feel like you're one of the original Hebrews or not, it really kind of doesn't matter to me, to be quite honest with you, because from both sides, it says you are one. In Christ, we are one. You're no longer considered a foreigner. So it doesn't matter which side of the fence you put yourself on, you know. I've heard a lot of people argue that and I don't get into arguing scriptures. You know, one of the true Israelites. Great. Either way, we are grafted in. And in the book of Revelation, this song that was sung is absolutely amazing. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. So what in the world does that mean? What in the world does that mean? And then when you get into Genesis, you know, 126 and, 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 and it talks about how uh, God has given us dominion and power and authority, um, you know, over the earth and over the sky and over the sea and all of that. Then it, it, it starts to make more sense, doesn't it? It starts to make more sense to me when I think of, you know, Jesus um, uh, uh, telling us in the passages in the Bible telling us that we would do even greater things. 
It starts to make more sense when he says, if we rebuke the devil, he'll flee from us. He don't have a choice because we stand in power. We stand in authority. We we, we stand in kingdom. and, and, and And again, kings is referring to like leaders, leaders, priests, priests is leading people to God. That's that's what priesthood really is all about. All throughout the Bible. You know, back in the Old Testament, they were overseeing the tabernacle and the whole worship and all of that, you know. But 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 the whole point of priesthood is leading people to Christ. That's who we are. No matter what situation you're in in life, whether you are a podcaster, a minister, a teacher, stay at home, mom, it does not matter. We all have this responsibility. We all are grafted into one to operate as king and priest, not in pride. Not in pride, because back in the day, I, 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 don't, I don't think I would have been wise enough to even say what I'm saying now, because when I think of king and I think of priest, I think, OK, you don't put yourself on the same level of God. But when he says king of kings, well, who, who, who are the kings that he's king of? So it's almost like this amazing mystery that's being revealed. Does that make sense? So here's my gentle challenge to you all. Please study your Bible. Study it. The more I study, the more I'm diving into these mysteries, the more God is revealing to me. Literally, he would get me up in the middle of the night and and I'll start turning my pages in the Bible and reading things. It's almost as if he's trying to convince me and show me you are to stand as king and priest. You are to be a leader and you are to help draw people near to God. And in my mind, you know, I guess my limited thinking, right? I think of priest is, okay, part of the Levi tribe. Okay, priest is, you know, those people that, you know, got this special connection, right? We are all to be called into priesthood, into a kingdom mindset, because we are heirs of God. I had never been taught that growing up. Maybe somehow my grandpa or somebody may have priested and I missed that service, but I'd never been told or shown that I'm an heir of God. To me, that sounds so arrogant. And that I'm a co-heir with Christ. I can't put myself on the same level as him. But the more you dive into the passages, the more you see how he gives it to us. We're grafted in. You know, the same spirit that raised him, Christ from the dead lives inside of us. So what does that mean on a daily basis in our lives? Walk in faith, power, and authority. I do some things that may really, I don't know, some people may disagree with, but it's okay. You can disagree with me. I literally, when I'm on my prayer walks, go ahead in the spirit. You notice, you, you notice in the Bible how everything happens in the spirit first. I won't even get into that. Before Queen Esther went before, uh, was it Mordecai? Uh, no, Mordecai was her cousin. Before Queen Esther went before the king, um, I think it was King Xerix or whatever his name is. But before she went before the king, she called them to fast and pray. Remember that? Before King David went into war, remember that? He went before God, should I win the war? You know, when Elijah, when the when the, when the when when the king came against him, he he prayed to God to open his servant's eyes. Everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. You guys already know that we've talked about that quite a bit. Everything is spiritual. So what I do is I literally go ahead in the spirit because it happens in the spirit first before it manifests in the physical. Remember that class I did get it before you get it, that four day class. I, I walked through that quite a bit. Everything happens in the spirit first before it's manifest in the physical. Look at the conversation that Job had um, that Satan had concerning Job. I can't touch him. You got a hedge around him. God's like, OK, if I remove this hedge, but don't take his life. OK, well, now I can do something. All of that was happening in the spirit before it manifested in the physical. Those are some of the mysteries. So now that God is showing me more and more and more and he's still teaching me. And I pray to God that you guys can take this and run with it. 
grow in your faith as well. But now that he's showing me more and more and more about this, this, this priest, this kingdom, this uh, operating as king, as priest, as an heir of God, as a co-heir of Christ, being grafted in, um, um, having this, the, the promise of the seed of Abraham and what all that means to me. Now I've gotten to a point where I go ahead in these meetings that happen in the spirit concerning my life. And it's as if I stand with Christ and it's as if I command what shall happen. Does that make sense? That, that, that you make the earth obey and do what it's supposed to do and yield what it's supposed to yield in the physical. That the spears that are coming against you, that the arrows are turned on them. You know, every arrow, every flaming arrow the enemy throws my way is turned around and, and put back on him and his head is cut off. You go ahead in the spirit because you're operating as an heir of God and a co-heir with Christ. I know I probably went way off a cliff with that one. <laughs> way off a cliff. And some people may say, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm sure there are some people saying, Z, I totally get it. All I'm trying to get you guys to do is to study your word and know who you are. I think this is why many times we walk around so frightened, so afraid, worried about things is because we just don't know who we really are. I'm still learning. Let me just say this in humility. I don't have it all. That's why I soak through my Bible. In fact, the other day from six in the morning to 10 at night, I kid you not, I'm not exaggerating from six in the morning to 10 at night, with the exception of getting up and taking a bathroom break or getting a cup of water. I was in my word. Partly because I'm, I'm, I'm finalizing a chapter where I'm writing a very strong letter to Satan, to the enemy. That's in one in, in my book. And I want to make sure that I'm kicking his butt with the word of God, that I know who the heck I am in, in the word of, in, 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 uh, in God. And that when I bind and come against this demon, this devil, this, this satanic evil force in the spiritual realms, that I back it up with the word of God. So I got to know my scriptures. I got to know them from six in the morning to 10 at night, 10 or 1030 at night, nonstop. All I'm saying is study the word of God. Once we learn who we are, I think we really are unstoppable. I think there's nothing that would be too great for us when we know who we are. I'm still learning, just to be clear. So anyway, I don't know what I titled this podcast. I think I'm calling it, Are We Really Kings and Priests? Or maybe I called it, Are We Really Priests and Kings? I'll call it something like that. And I'm leaving it like that as a question mark so that you can study. Get in your scriptures, study. Uh, reply back in the comment sections. Let me know what you think about this. If I'm off on something, tell me. I'm always open to being corrected, just so you all know. But this is what God has revealed to me and is revealing to me. There is a mystery. There is a mystery. We have so much more power in us than we believe, than we know. Anyway, I love you all. This is Z with Unlocking Greatness Podcast, and I pray that this has encouraged you. Bye-bye. <music>